Democratic plans to include a gradual raise to $15 in Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus stimulus bill were effectively ended on Thursday when the Senate parliamentarian ruled it should not be part of the package. The decision by Elizabeth McDonough, who has held a nonpartisan position since 2012, dashed hopes of including the raise in the bill, the first increase in over a decade. Abolish the filibuster. Replace the parliamentarian, Omar said in a tweet. What's a democratic majority if we can't pass our priority bills? This is unacceptable. I'm the enemy. Because I like to think. I like to read. I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. At the end of February, the Reichstag is burning. A catastrophe for the state. For the National Socialists, a stroke of luck. The Dutch communist van der Lubbe is arrested at the scene of the fire. They now have the pretext to lash out at all political adversaries. You ever have one of those days when you think you're ready, but you're really not? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean, happens on those days, Ron? It's, it's kind of like uh, redoing things over and over again. Kind of like Groundhog Day. Mm. It's called repeat, repeat, repeat. But it's <laughs> running now. So this is like the third take of this, right? Oh, something like that. It's the two dots at the end of the measure. Yeah. It's the third ending. I keep... Hitting the wrong <laughs> buttons, and so there's a story for why, but I'm not prepared to tell people why yet. That's for tomorrow's show. So, anyway, welcome to What the Frock. I'm Rabbi Dave, and I am Friar Cook. And on this particular take, I will not go into why we are called that, like I did on uh, the last. You'll, you'll have to go back and listen yeah, to yeah. why we started this. Yeah, we did, uh, however, talk about the fact that we are modern goliards, which are in Indeed. fact not trolls. No. Troll-like, but not not entirely. Right. Trolls. Now, and when we say trolls, we mean like internet trolls, people sure. who just argue for the sake of arguing. Tellerites in Star yeah. Trek language. Um, people who just want to, you know, bust your chops or something. The Goliards were different in the sense that while they opposed the powers that be, particularly the church in that era and the political things, they were usually right. And they were also quite necessary because somebody has to stand up to those in power. Indeed. It's a necessary thing, which is why we have, and I don't know if you knew, I'm going to ask this question. Did you know we have a Senate parliamentarian? I was not aware that's an official position. This is the third take. Yes, you are. I I know. I had to. (laughs) Yes, he is aware. I was trying to keep it consistent with the first and the second one. Oh, my God. So when we started this whole thing, no, he was not aware of that. But now he is. But, yes, we have a Senate parliamentarian whose job, by the way, Rod, is to stand to the right of the president pro tem of the Senate and nod his head yes or her head yes, as the case may be, and shake her head no, as the case may be. So just maintaining the parliamentary parliamentary rules? Right, because as it was put to me, and this is probably my favorite quote about the Senate parliamentarian, Quote, as the presiding officer of the Senate may not and usually is not aware of the parliamentary situation currently facing the Senate, a parliamentary staff sits second from the left to advise the presiding officer on how to respond to things on the Senate. I think the part that I like there is that they may not be or usually are not aware of how things work. So they need someone there to tell them how to do things. This, uh, this became an issue this week because the president or the Senate parliamentarian, and by the way, there is a House one, and we'll get to that in a minute here, but the sure. Senate parliamentarian made the news this week, which is highly unusual. 
Yeah. As we discussed on takes one through two, um, most people don't even know we have one of these and let alone why we have one, but we have it because it's necessary to keep the Senate from doing things that are outside of its own rules. Now, this is the important part to understand here, Rod. These are not laws. These are not parliamentary procedure in no. the sense of the laws of the United States say so you can't. Do, no, this is the Senate, you know, right there in the Constitution, Article 1, it says yeah. each house shall make its own rules. Okay? So the Senate has this book of rules as to how they do things. And none of them ever read it because why would you? No. That's what Especially the par- when you have a par- parliamentarian there exactly. to guide you. That's his job or her job, as the case may be right now. Kind of like the Google. <laughs> Basically, I don't know how to do it. I'll look it up on Google. See, now, you're just, the palm, palm now you're just trolling me, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but no, you are correct. It is it is very similar to that in the sense that um, that's that's her job. I mean, and so she made the news this week. And I, I don't know if you know why. Um, the parliamentarian is very rarely, almost never, in fact, as far as I'm aware, there's only one case of the senator of the Senate ever. By the way, what she says is not law. I mean, the Senate can say, all right, you say that this is in violation of our rules, but we're going to override our rules this time. They can do that. Sure. They've only done that one time that I can find since 1935. And that was in 1975. And the president pro tem of the then Senate was one Nelson Rockefeller who had become president of the United or vice president of the United States pretty much by accident, but mostly because we needed a vice president because Gerald Ford had become president after uh-huh. Nixon left. Um, and so he needed a vice president and Nelson Rockefeller was sitting around not doing anything. So they said, well, you do it. And he was the last Short guy straw. to say, yeah, he was the last guy to say to the parliamentarian, no, we're not doing that. And we're going to do it the way we want to do it anyway. Because ultimately, if it comes down to it, it's like it's 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 like baseball, man. If you don't have rules, mm-hmm. what do you really have? It's anarchy. Okay, so if we're going to sit down and take all the effort to write all these rules for the Senate, we might as well follow them, right? Yeah. I mean, theoretically, the rules have been written so that we protect the body, you know. We protect the interest of the American people. We do things right. And and that's the theory here. Yeah, things are conducted in an organized manner. Right. So, as we've talked about, and by the way, there is one of these, did I say this already, in the House of Representatives? You did mention that. Okay. But. All right. So, there is one in the House of Representatives as well, who's not, who didn't make the news this week, but possibly should have. <laughs> as you may or may not be aware, and you certainly will be after this, start new stuff here. Um the Biden administration and the Democrats in Congress wanted a $15 an hour minimum wage. Yeah, I and, seem to recall that. And as they want this $15 an hour wage, they, they hit up on this brilliant idea of passing the coronavirus relief package, <laughs> which there's very little actual coronavirus relief in. Yeah, it's mostly pork. Exactly. They hit up on the idea of passing this by what's known as the process of budget reconciliation, which bypasses filibusters and 60 votes and committees. And it's just a way of essentially, I don't want to say cheating because it is in their rules, 
but it's much like California's, uh, what was that, Prop 25 or whatever, when they changed the budget from needing majority uh, two-thirds majority vote to just a majority vote. Uh-huh. It's kind of the same thing. It's nothing in the Constitution that says the budgets or spend, expenditure bills have to have a 60 vote. So they sort of did away with that. They, they lump all this stuff together. They call it budget reconciliation. This is how they passed Obamacare, if you recall. Yeah, they, so, exactly. Um, so the idea here was, well, well, we'll throw a bunch of stuff in this bill that is, as at least one Republican has called it, a Democrat wish list. And <laughs> there ain't nothing that Dem- <laughs> the Republicans can do to stop it because we'll do it under reconciliation. Right? Yeah. Brilliant plan. President's sure to sign it. He may even know that he signed it. Who knows? Um, <laughs> no, that's the other one. That apparently, the vice president's upset about us bombing Syria this week. Yeah, because she wasn't told. Right. The best tweet about that was, did Joe Biden know? Anyway, <laughs> point being that in all of this, this was going swimmingly. As you will notice, it passed the House of Representatives. The whole thing. Then it got to the Senate, where the Senate parliamentarian looked at it and went, Ein Minuten bitte, this doesn't work under reconciliation. You can't do this under reconciliation. Now, I'm not exactly certain as to why, so this is supposition on my part. You ready? I'm ready. If I raise, if you make, let's say, $7.50 an hour, and all yeah. of a sudden, you're making $15 an hour because the government says minimum wage went up to $15 an hour. What, what general effects of, there, of that are there? General effects. Especially, say, in <clears throat> April. Well, there's the, yeah, the increased cost of taxes, basically. Exactly. Or not cost of taxes. It's the increased revenue of taxes. Right. So you're changing the revenue of the government, which is a touchy subject, in a lot of ways. And for whatever reason, I feel like the parliamentarian said, you, you can't do this under your rules in the Senate. Apparently, in the House, they have no such scruples because yeah. their parliamentarian went, fine with me, I don't care. Well, maybe they hadn't read the parliamentary rules either. Or <laughs> who maybe, would know? Maybe they just don't care, which is possible because in the Senate, they, don't, they can say to the, to the parliamentarian, hey, we're not paying you $200,000 a year to tell us what we can't do. We're telling Is that what they make? 175000 plus expenses and benefits. For the parliamentarian. Yeah. We're paying you this kind of money to rubber stamp our stuff. <laughs> what the hell do you mean, no? Anyway, so this poor woman <laughs> said no. And the Senate, which, as you know, is 50-50. I mean, the Senate sure. is, is it's not quite as, you know, they don't have a majority unless they bring, drag in the vice president. And then you've got issues with, you know, some senators that are on the fence. And it's not. in the rhinos. Right. <laughs> it's not clear, you know, how this would go like it would in the House. In the House that the parliamentarian said, no, they would have said, we're overriding you. But in yeah, the Senate, that may cause problems. Right. So mm-hmm. Elon Omar, this congresswoman from Minnesota. You betcha. Minnesota. Who is a congresswoman. She is not a senator. She is a congress member. Mem- member of the House of Representatives representing sure. Minnesota, where it's really cold right now from what I hear. 
she took to Twitter because this is what you do these days. You don't oh, yeah. you don't run out and find a microphone. You don't run out and find find a press conference. You don't, you don't write an op ed for the New York Times. No, you go to Twitter, in which she tweeted, and I am not making this up, folks. This is absolute God's honest truth. She tweeted, all right, uh, let's see if I can find the, shoot, I lost the tweet. And she tweeted, so now I'm paraphrasing because I can't find it. She tweeted that, how can this be? We have a Democratic, a Democrat majority in Congress. Who is this woman that's daring to tell us no? She should be fired. Okay, that's the cancellation culture. Fired. For anyone who doesn't agree with me, you're canceled. Fired. Yeah. For daring to tell us that we can't do this. And we should also do away with, uh, you know, the uh, some other bills, the um, filibusters and stuff like that, which sure. I don't disagree with her about. But her reaction to this was $15 an hour. We promised this. And, and who is this woman who dares dares to oppose us on this and how dare she do so now the senate's reaction to this has been i would say muted because as george washington once explained the senate it's where the sane people go it's, you know yeah it's, it's the it's the saucer to your tea or your coffee <laughs> no i'm not kidding um yeah i don't we don't do things like they used to do but apparently in the old days when you drank your tea and it was hot, you poured it into the saucer to cool off. That's the purpose of the saucer. And then you poured it back in your cup when it was cool enough to drink. Huh. And that's how Washington described the Senate. He said it's the saucer. It's where ideas go to cool off from the hotheads over in the House before rational people decide you know, what we're going to actually do, which is yeah. a beautiful simile to me. But... <laughs> but at any rate, the the how the Senate has been kind of eh, it's not that big of a deal to us. I mean, what's to stop us from passing one later on? That's you know part of the omnibus yeah. spending bill. It's but Elon Omar has just gone absolutely well BSC if I can use that phrase uh, over yeah. this, and she wants this woman fired, fired for daring to say, "Hey, your your rules say you can't do this." Exciting, huh? Well, it is exciting, but at the same time, there's a. Doesn't that raise some questions? It does. Questions she's along. Not... Go ahead. I was just saying she she's not aware of the the rules <laughs> and how things operate as far as those functions go in there that they have their own set of rules she's supposed to abide by. Well, I would assume that she's. See, there's my problem right there. I'm assuming. Surely she's aware of this. She would. I mean. She's been in Congress now. This is her second term in Congress. Don't you sort of have to learn? You know, did she well, have to so sort of learn how things work? She's either aware and doesn't care, or she's ignorant. So either way, it doesn't look good for her. Right. Or does it? Do you think that the average American voter who desperately wants $15 an hour because they think that's going to be the panacea, it's going to solve all their problems. If I, if I only made $15 an hour, things would be great. Do you think they're looking at this going, well, who's the idiot that wrote a rule that or, or that, that violated the rules? Instead of going, she's right. How dare this woman oh, yeah. well, you're, stand in our way? 
when they're responding emotionally, yeah, sure. I mean, if they're nobody's critical thinking, you know, your average American voter, um, they're, they're not really critically thinking through a lot of this stuff. And so when they see a headline, when they see a tweet on Twitter yeah. from Elon Omar saying, how dare this woman, dare she stand in our way? We should rage mob fire ensues. her, rage mob ensues, and what ends up happening? I, I, I like to think that the parliamentarian is strong enough to go, look, I'm just doing my job. Yeah. And you don't work in the Senate anyway, so I don't, why do I care what, the, what you think about anything? Yeah. I'd like to think that there would be some senators who would also take to Twitter and go, Elon Omar is not a member of the Senate. Ilan Omar doesn't know anything about how the Senate rules work. Ilan Omar needs to STFU. Mm-hmm. But so far as I can see, that has not happened. Which if I were the Senate parliamentarian making $175,000 a year plus expenses plus benefits would make me a little nervous. Wouldn't it make you a little nervous? Well, yeah. I mean, she's not getting a lot of... Uh necessarily people standing back behind her but you're not going to find anyone on the on the republican side that's going to stand up for it because then they might be they might take their audio clips of them you know complaining about this and saying hey look this person doesn't want your 15 dollars an hour Hmm. or it could be that they don't know they don't know either true her actual tweet reads abolish the filibuster replace the parliamentarian What's a Democratic majority if we can't pass our priority bills? This is unacceptable. So replace the parliamentarian with uh, with someone who with will say yes. Who will say I don't care? Right, like they have over in the House, apparently. Sure. Someone who will someone who will agree to our every someone who is certainly not. And I'm not saying that the parliamentarian is. I'm just saying, you know, it's all how you look at it. Someone who is not a goliard. Someone who's not willing to yeah. stand up to these people and go. No, it's 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 scary to me, Rod. This is the see. I know we all talk about taxes and agendas and gun control and all this, but you realize this is the kind of thing that strikes me as scarier than all of that when it comes to the concepts of liberty and the future of our nation. Why? Well. I don't know if you knew this or not, but today is the anniversary of the Reichstag fire of of 1933. I was not aware of that. Now, the Reichstag fire was was bad for the German government. In 1933, in February 28, 1933, Adolf Hitler had been named chancellor just a few weeks before this, but he had not consolidated power it was not clear the nazis never held a majority in the in the reichstag the parliament of germany never got an elected majority they always held enough of a minority that they could clog up everything sure and forced i think it was six general elections in two years which is why bismarck the president fed up with the whole thing, finally just said, all right, Hitler, you can be chancellor, president. Sure. Or, you know, you can be the you can be the prime minister because otherwise we're just not going to get anything done at all. And we've got an economy that's tanking. We need 
we need to get going here. So the Reichstag, of course, is where the parliament, the German parliament meets. Well, on February 28th, 1933, in the middle of the night, the thing caught fire and burnt. <laughs> now, you may be saying to yourself, this is the kind of thing that, well, I mean, this is purely fantasy, folks. So don't, don't send this to the FBI going, let's go. We've all had that. Fa- we've all had the fantasy of the Capitol building being blown up by aliens from uh, yeah from uh, the they, movie, they right? Made a movie about it, right? We've all had that fantasy. Your average German probably looked at this and went, "Well, what have they done for us anyway?" Yeah, and that was kind of that. But <clears throat> Nazis and Adolf Hitler had a problem. And the problem was there were too many people in government who were daring to tell them, nine, no. There are rules against this sort of thing. You can't do that. You can't just lock up people because of their religion. You can't just send people to concentration camps because you don't like how they look or how they speak. or you, yeah. It's against the law. And they didn't like that. And in order to pursue an agenda, which they wanted... They had to get rid of people that said, nine, no. So they looked at this Reichstag fire as an opportunity. Never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Exactly. They arrested a guy. And, you know, it's one of those things historians have argued about for nearly 100 years now. I don't know if the guy really said it or not. I have no idea if it's a Maskrovka. I don't know if it's a black flag. I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows. But it was very clear that the fire was not an accident and it was very advantageous. How's that? Sure. So whether this guy did it or not, who knows? But the the Nazis claimed that he was a communist, a Dutch communist, was a foreign communist who had infiltrated Germany with his filth and burned the thing down. And he was a communist. So guess what? This means we need to immediately establish emergency powers. Oh, sure. And get rid of the communists. Who, by the way, formed a significant portion of the Reichstag. (laughs) And while we're at it, since we're giving the chancellor emergency powers, let's get rid of other people who say no, like the Christian socialists and the Republicans and even the... Even the very few people, and there were were some who wanted to bring the Kaiser back and put him back on the throne and say, we're an empire again. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get rid of those people, too. And, oh, by the way, there's this group of people over here that we don't like, that we've blamed for everything for the past 500 years. Let's start getting rid of them, too. All because the Reichstag Fire Act, which they passed, you know, the same day, February 28th, 1933, changes the rules of Germany. It changes the rules and makes things from a legal perspective. What was no the day before is now yes. They've replaced all the no people with yes people. They fired the parliamentarians and replaced them with jesters in in, in a really weird way of looking at it. So when I see what Elon Omar does, fire the parliamentarian for, for, for daring to say, hey, the rules say no. The, the parliamentarian never said, you can't. 
everyone knows that the Senate can overrule the parliamentarian if yeah. they choose to. But Elon Omar's attack on this poor woman, who, of course, you know, this is going to be turned into she's this, she's that, she's everything but the actual problem. It's going to be turned into she and those like her need to be done away with. They need to be out of job. Why are, why are we paying them to stifle our, our agenda? This is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's outrageous. It's unacceptable in her words. Replace her with somebody who will agree with us, and then we can ramrod our agenda through, whatever that mm-hmm. agenda may be. And I just have a feeling that that agenda is not exactly, let's say, liberty-friendly. No, there may be parts of it that I actually agree with, Rod. Who knows? I mean, I'd, I'd like to see the filibuster done away with, too. But but overall, I just uh, I just don't know that the Democrat agenda is what this nation overwhelmingly voted for. No, nor do I believe that fifteen dollars an hour is going to solve everybody's problems. No, it's going to create a whole host of problems. Mm. Reminds me of the poem. I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, first they came for. Yes. So the guy that wrote that poem was a Lutheran minister by the name of Martin Niemöller. 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 Right. And he is a fascinating character to me. So he wrote, writes this poem. First they came for the socialists, but I didn't say anything because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, but I didn't say anything because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was nobody left to speak. And it's a, it's a very powerful, poignant poem, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's written by a guy who was, and, and this is what, what, what people don't understand about him. He was not anti-Nazi. He wasn't a Nazi. I mean, he didn't join the party sure. or anything like that, but he wasn't, he was an ardent German nationalist. I mean, he really believed in German nationalism. He truly believed those things. But through his experiences, he watched what this happened, and he became a very outspoken critic of the Nazis' internal domestic policies, particularly putting people in camps because we don't like them. Which, of course, he ended up in one of the camps himself because you get rid of the people who say no, and you replace them. And you cancel them. <laughs> right. You, you cancel them and you replace them with people who say, yeah. Uh, Neumuller, I can never say his name, fascinates me because you, he, was a, uh, he was a sailor. I don't know if you knew that. Did not know he that. He was a German submariner, commander, Ooh. U-boat commander during World War I, and a very successful one, huh. who had experienced the incredibly stupid devastation of world war one I, I i the older i get the more if there's a war in the history of this planet with less sense to it at any phase from its start to its finish i don't know what it would be but he fought, he served during that war as a u-boat commander very successful one and then his experiences there caused him to seek the the cloth and become a man of the cloth like we are and he became <laughs> he became a pastor and it was again he never lost his nationalism but he ended up in a concentration camp which he just barely survived and 
those words, first they came for. You could almost replace those now with first they came for the parliamentarians. But I didn't speak up because I wasn't a parliamentarian. How many Americans watched, saw this news, what's happening this week, are now aware of this news of what happened this week? And they're kind of going, I don't know what a parliamentarian is. What does that mean? What does that do? What does it what does it mean? What is it? You know, I don't I don't know. And ultimately, where do we go from there? You know, and yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of a thing for me. Yeah, I don't, I, it's a part of the culture we're in now, Dave. I mean, it's because people see that it's so easy to yell out on Twitter that cancel this person and get rid of this person. And so I, you know, I, I think it does get worse before it gets better. But I think people do need to not be afraid. Do not let fear guide you stand up do you think that it will get better i think it's going to get a lot worse before there's a chance of it getting better i kind of agree i'm just not uh, i don't know i at this point see that's the question and i started to get into this a couple of weeks ago in fact i was talking with um forgot his name <laughs> my head is just not there today what's his name <laughs> resistance podcast i can't think of his name now god i'm getting old hey, anyway a good friend of mine i i it starts with a j no i can't think of his name god bless america anyway point me <laughs> i was talking to him a couple weeks ago about he wanted to know where i think we're headed and maybe in you that i was talking to about this i don't remember and what kind of country we're going to have? Are, are we actually headed for a totalitarian state such as, um, as, as, as Germany was or the Soviet Union or Romania or any of those places or something else? And, and that's what worries me is, is, is we, we get more and more of the taking of people who will say no, people who will stand up, people who will – if I can use these words, fight for liberty and uh-huh. without inciting an, an insurrection. Um, if I can use those words, we're, we're, we're getting rid of that and replacing it with people who will retake their oath of enlistment after being told that if they don't mean exactly what they mean, then what I want you to mean, then, then you're a domestic terrorist. Yeah. As we do this, what kind of government are we going to end up with? Are we going to end up with a purely socialist government a communist government I, I, and i don't know i that's the part i don't know man that's the part that worries me that's the part i'm having trouble with Welcome, my friends. Now is that special time where I invite you to come. Pull up next to the fire here alongside. Don't forget to grab your cup or tankard of your favorite beverage as you listen to the good friar. After hours of prayer and meditation, today's friar side will enlighten and encourage us all. I'm brought to the famous Hamlet uh, Shakespeare play to Zoom or not to Zoom? <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> With the forced sequestration of the social distancing mandates, we've seen a rise in video conferencing software. Well, they've existed for a number of years. 2020 was the year of Zoom. 
We've seen video conference services uh, really come in into age of this last year and, and things like background and face filters. And, you know, it's with this advancement in technology, you know, it's far outpaced our meeting protocols and etiquettes. You know, this is his becoming a peeve of mine. And so that's why I'm bringing it up on today's Friar side. Ruh-roh. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> but have no fear. The good Friar is now here to help out. And with that, I've got the top five do's and don'ts of video conferencing etiquette. The first one being know thyself. Do be familiar with your hardware settings for the microphone and the video camera and the record button. (laughs) Dress appropriately for the type of call that you are taking. Don't. Don't make changes during the meeting. (laughs) those things can go wrong. You know, if you're not dressed appropriately for the meeting, don't walk around in your pajamas or pajama bottoms. (laughs) Number two, know thy surroundings. Do find a spot in your home that presents the best professional image, clean, not cluttered. As if when you were to invite someone over to your home for a visit and sit down to chat, you wouldn't ask them into a room that's, all made funky you know you want to sit you want to sit down in a nice room comfortable relaxing environment make sure that the room behind you looks that way don't use your bedroom with your bed in the background nobody wants to see that especially if the bed's not made you know you wouldn't invite the rabbi or the friar over into that room i'm just telling you that right now Um, also you know if you have no other choice you know for heaven's sake do make your bed don't take calls. Um, you know, so I ran across this story uh, and I'm going to go ahead and, and break from this right now to bring this up so I can read it a little bit. But there was this gentleman who was asked, he was in, he was in traffic court, taking a Zoom meeting traffic court. When the judge realized that he was a surgeon in the middle of surgery at the time, The surgeon said, no, I can take it. I've got another doctor here doing the surgery. The doctor said, or the the judge said, no, we'll reschedule. Please don't be that guy. (laughs) It's, you know, it's it's not not? appropriate for you (laughs) to be doing surgery. If I was the patient, I'd be upset. You wouldn't know. You'd be unconscious. Well, you know, but it makes the news and then you would know. And then I'd be like, well, wait a second. Uh, So anyway, yeah. Just, you know, you, you, you got to be aware of, of the backgrounds. And we'll discuss filters later, but, you know, don't, don't take calls in an operating room, okay? Number three, know thy roommates. Do let those who are up and around you in the house or apartment know that you're going to be on a video call and how long you anticipate to be on it. You should close the door to the room you're in and, or hang a sign up or something. Pets, give your pets something to distract themselves during an important call. I give my dog treats that I know that takes them a while to go through. So they don't, you know, make noise or bark during the, during the call. Don't even with people, you know, even when you let them know on a video call, don't set up your camera with the entry to the room in the background or for heaven's sake, the bathroom. Nobody wants to see people walking around behind you, entering and exiting, you know, uh, don't let your cats walk on your desk during the call or in front of your camera. Nobody wants to see old one eye. Number four, know thy login. Do keep your login name in the video conferencing software professional and accurate. 
how you would like to be introduced to someone for the first time. Do not use celebrity names, nicknames, fake names, or forget the login name, or forget to, to change the login from your kid's account to your account. This, uh, this seems oddly specific to me. This is really specific because we actually had one case where we're, this, this, we're having this department meeting and this guy shows up with the name Maverick. And we're like, who the heck is Maverick? And we're trying to figure it out. I'm the security guy, so I'm Tom sending Cruise. messages. What? It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, yeah. Or it's, you know, Maverick from the, was it the Wild West or whatever it was? Right. James Not Garner. West. Anyway. So, yeah, it shows up that we had, we had another guy this week actually come along and it was his kid's name that was logged in. And we're like, I don't know who this person is. So anyway, and number five, know thy conferencing software and filters. Understand how to turn on and off the video and sound. Be overtly familiar with how and uh, how the buttons to change from um, when you are when you're mute and when you are not mute. Half the time we have problems in our meetings, not not with Dave and I, but someone mutes and they're talking when it's muted and they don't realize it, or they're talking when it's not muted to someone else in the background. Um, so yes, be familiar with that. Now, uh, you know, the easy way to do this is to start an instant meeting with your video conferencing software and test it out. Get familiar with it, test and play with it. You can also try the filters at that time. That's the perfect time to play with the filters. Do not change your audio or video settings during the meeting. Don't assume you've turned off your video before you do something. Double, triple check. You don't want to expose yourself to be a Jeffrey Tubin, if you know what that is. You know, don't play with filters during the meeting. What? <laughs> and why the hell are you naked? It's after Labor Day. <laughs> yes. You know, you, you know in, in, for heaven's sake, be familiar with the filters outside of the meeting because you don't want to become that manager, that potato-headed manager that went viral because they couldn't change the filter away or the I'm not in a cat attorney that went viral. So, yes, I mean, yeah, just uh, be, be familiar with all that stuff, but not during the meeting. And there's one additional bonus from the InfoSec guy. Password protector meetings. You know, too many meetings have been Zoom bombed because of weak or no security. And even if you don't care about privacy of the call, people with way more time on their hands than you can log into your call and disrupt, by, disrupt it by playing music or playing video or just being rude. And that, my friends, concludes today's Friar side, which was somewhat apropos, Dave, because of earlier takes. I don't have a response to that. They never do. <laughs> I think for me, the most amusing part of this whole Zoom thing, and, and yeah. I feel like I'm pretty competent using Zoom, and it's yeah. what we use. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> I haven't found anything. Everybody says oh, ours works better. Ours work better. Really, I mean, they're all about yeah. the same. There's just some things I like better about Zoom. But I, to me, what was funny is the the bookshelf mania. Yeah. Everybody. So at oh, one yeah. point, I guess Amazon was sold out of bookshelves because all these people, all these professional talking heads were buying all the bookshelves so that they wouldn't look like clods. So. <laughs> yeah. They want to look intelligent. Right. So take a picture of a bookshelf and use it as your background. Yeah. Kind of like Dave's doing right now. Dorks. Or I guess I should say doored. 
or, or you could you could be there was like one reporter or some some expert or something like that was on uh, was was doing some kind of Zoom call and they had this stock bookcase thing in, in the back from an ad. It was like from an ad from a store that people realized when they went and saw the ad, they're like, hey, wait a second, that's the background that this other person used. So, yeah. Right. Or the woman over in England that had her dildo on the shelf. Oh, yeah. That was pretty yeah. cool. Remember when ESPN used to do those commercials, this is ESPN, and John, mm-hmm. ugh, the NFL reporter, I'm having a terrible time with names today. Yeah. But he, he lives I, up here in Seattle, John something. Or, anyway, uh, he was doing an ad where he was do, he would do his hits from the basement, his ESPN hits from the basement. He would just wear a shirt and tie and, a coat, uh, and his, he wouldn't put pants on. And I was, was 20, you know, I was 15 years ago. That was funny sure. then, but now it's like, yeah, who knows? So, anyway, you'll find that a lot of my fryer sides are things that have struck my fancy for the week or, or even peeves that come up that I'm, gonna I'm just going to go ahead and rant about oddly this. specific, man. I, I don't know it what kind of meetings you were well, considering our first take, I, <laughs> what kind of meetings you were in today, but there you go. So Mr. Potato Head is no more. Or is he? Well, you can't call him Mr. Potato Head anymore. Now he's just Potato Head. Oh, is, is yeah. Okay, so Hasbro mm. cleared that up because originally they said that he was going to be non-binary. Right, which I, I thought potatoes were non-binary anyway. Yeah. It, Depends it was, on what face you slap on him, I guess, but now yes. that's even... So, you know, the original Mr. Potato Head wasn't made of plastic. Yeah, it was just it, a potato. It was a potato. Was, it. Yeah, that's literally all he did. I mean, can you imagine the guy that invented that? Because America's so great that people could take food and make a toy out of it. Do you know how many times my mother got just furious about us playing with the potatoes? <laughs> Don't play with your food. <laughs> I was going to make that for dinner tomorrow, and now it's got all this crap on it. Anyway, this all comes to, uh, comes to mind because of Dan Quayle. Do you remember really? Dan Quayle? I remember Dan Quayle. Do you remember how he spelled potato? Yeah, he was ruthlessly, ruthlessly, God, my mouth is not working today. At least you can say the word. Mocked. I can't remember names. Yeah, anyway, so, except for Dan Quayle, for reasons that I don't understand. Anyway, so he was ruthlessly mocked, as you said, for spelling potato with an E on the end, P-O-T-A-T-O-E, e. which has caused me throughout the rest of my life since then to spell potato. You ready? Yeah. P-O-T-A-T-O, parent E, close parent. <laughs> just because I'm not absolutely sure that he was wrong, even though he was mercilessly mocked. Well, spell for check will tell you if you're wrong or not. Yeah, but you can't trust spell check. I mean, I spell color C O L O U R and honor H O N O U R, which are both correct. Do you know? Swear to God, <laughs> now you got me going. So Uh-oh. back in the '80s, back when computers were brand new, sure. you know, we didn't have 86 processors. I mean, we no. You know, so we had this game in the office. Um, what the hell's the name of that guy? Jeopardy. I don't know. It was okay. one of those question yeah. games, and you know the old CGA graphics and the likes of sure. that. And the question it was spell words. And it, okay. This or no, it was Jeopardy because it was uh, a a fried treat with a hole in the middle. And I okay. wrote, what is a donut? D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T. Wrong. You didn't spell it right. D-O-N-U-T. <laughs> so I don't trust spell checks, and that's why. 
because I lost. I lost an office round of Jeopardy because of that, and I was not happy. And, and to this day, I'm still – I don't know really what's wrong with me. I'm still holding on to that. That was 1990. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any therapy that can help you with yeah, that there's one. There's not enough liquor and therapy in the world to deal with that. At any rate, Liquor might help for a while. At any rate, the, the whole thing with Mr. Potato Head came up because – of Dan Quayle in my mind. This is how my mind works, right? Sure. Because conservatives right now are just absolutely obsessed with Joe Biden's mental state. They are. And I don't get it. I don't know why we care. Have I missed something here? Remember when Dan Quayle became vice president? People were sending bottles of vitamins and prayers and stuff to George H.W. Bush. They were like, I hate you, but please don't die. (laughs) Why why are we so obsessed with Joe Biden's mental state? Shouldn't we be saying, you know, we don't like you, but if he goes away, then why? Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I think part of it is the whole, you know, neener, neener to all you who voted for this this guy, you know, voted for a guy who's not mentally there. Hey, but I get that. But can't we just rub in gas prices over that? Yeah, seriously. Do we, do we really have to? We're, we're at war again. Yeah, well, you know. Do we actually know that? I mean, I mean, does the president know that? I know the vice president knows, but anyway, that's my question: is why do you care? Why, why are you worried about? It? Shouldn't we be going? Yeah, I'd really like him to make it four years because I'm just telling you. And this is, I mean, at at the at the real crux of the matter. I mean, uh, I voted for Donald Trump. I don't have any problems saying that. And yeah. I've, I've told people I voted for Donald Trump primarily because. Kamala Harris is just absolutely not acceptable to me, in the words of Elon Ohan. Ohan? Omar? Whatever. Omar. Yeah, that gal. She's not accept- <laughs> this is not acceptable. Who? No. I just, no. So, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's why, it, at, the, at the core value of it, that's, I don't understand why we're so obsessed with this and why we keep pointing it out. Shouldn't we just kind of be going, hmm. Give them some of that vitamin stuff that you can buy on TV that's supposed to improve yeah. your memory. <laughs> Prevagen or whatever it is. Not yeah. that I'm shilling. Um, <laughs> but shouldn't we be doing that instead of saying, mm, this guy needs to go? Shouldn't we yeah. be doing that instead of saying, hey, maybe he should give up the nuclear codes. Sorry, nuclear codes. Yeah, I couldn't believe I saw that. It's like, like, what? Yeah, it's a little. Of course, they were the same people that in December were upset that Trump still had them. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, look, Trump's leaving the White House. Is he taking the codes with him? <laughs> no, they don't belong to him. People, it's, it's not theirs. But anyway, so that that one, that one kind of worried me when I saw the whole Mr. Potato Head story. And then Bill and I were texting about the Potato Heads this morning, and yeah, just sort of reminded me of that. But um, while it makes me say WTF. The real WTF this week for me, and and particularly given this whole discussion about the Reichstag fire and all that, mm-hmm. I I will freely admit, and I have I think I have admitted this in the past. I am not a pop culture person. I don't I don't pay a lot of attention to pop culture. And oddly enough, Rod, what pop culture I do get comes at from ten to ten twenty a.m. Monday through Friday. On the ty- on, on the Wendy Williams show. Okay, I, I don't watch that. Well, it comes on right after my local news finishes for the day. Oh, uh, so okay, I like to, I like to watch the last twenty minutes of our morning news because that's when they stop with all the actual news and they just get into the fun stuff. 
you know, yeah. the dog, the dog that's skiing or whatever. And sure. And, and by that point I'm pretty newsed out. So, so, so I, I like to catch the last 15, 20 minutes. So we have a guy that he usually has some flamboyant story that that's usually pretty amusing. So anyway, she comes on right after that. And because I'm sitting here working, I don't just turn it off and just let it go. And that's literally the pop culture that I get. Occasionally something from John Considine who posts something, you know, but generally speaking, Wendy Williams is my source for pop culture, which is weird, but, but true. So that's the only reason I had any idea who Azealia Banks is. Okay. Do you? Not by name. I'm horrible with names though. So apparently she's some kind of singer. And I use that term. Kind (laughs) of. I always hesitate to get into music, man, because people, people, when they talk music, man, they get, they get defensive. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, is rap music? (laughs) Well, depends on who you ask, right? Yeah. If you ask Bow Wow, I don't know. (laughs) If you ask Blondie. Who had the number, the first number one rap hit in the history of, of rap hits? Uh, it's hard to say. Anyway, Azealia Banks is some kind of musician or something. And she's apparently famous for being famous, like so many of these people are today. <clears throat> yeah. She is in a bit of hot water right now because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how, how apropos is this? Apparently, she's dating a Jewish guy. Uh-oh. <clears throat> so, not only is she dating a Jewish guy, but she has a, let's just call it a misunderstanding about how things work, I suppose. <laughs> she, she, I'm not sure. She tweeted, holding up her hands, apparently she's engaged to this guy, so... Her tweet says, I said yes, and she's holding up her hand with a big old ring on it yeah. because, you know, Jewish guys have lots of money. And, and the ring Jewish is guys have lots of money. <laughs> not me, but I'm, I'm the exception that proves the rule. Anyway, the ring is, is gold, but it has a menorah on it, right? Yeah. A Hanukkah menorah, by the way, not, not the regular one. So um, not that I'm obsessed with details or anything like that. So she posed this, the artist name that she's engaged to is Ryder Rips, who I have never heard of. I don't have any clue who that is because as weird as this sounds, we, we Jews don't know all of, you know, we don't know each other across the board. But she writes, and I'm quoting here on the image, <clears throat> I said yes, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. At Ryder Rips and I are engaged, four exclamation points. And then she says, quote, this is important that this be a quote, okay? Because I want to be clear about this. I would never use language like this. I just got engaged, cunts, K-U-N-T-S. I'm crying. I'm Jewish now. (laughs) Mazel tov, bitches. We in here. Your, which I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Y-E-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R
I have enough of a sense of humor that that should be a T-shirt right there. But sure, Mazel Tov, bitches. Mazel yeah. Tov, bitches. I mean, that's that's right out of rent, right? Merry Christmas, bitches. Um, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Anyway, so of course this has set off a firestorm of of controversy because, well, in the words of one Twitter replier, um, doesn't work like that. You no. don't get to become Jewish just because you're engaged to a Jewish guy. So if it ended right there, you just kind of go, well, it's just a misunderstanding, right? Yep. She doesn't comprehend that she doesn't get to become Jewish just because she marries this Jewish guy. Yeah. Oddly enough, my wife didn't seem to have any problem with that concept at all. In 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 fact, when we asked her if she'd like to become Jewish, um, she said no. So anyway, <laughs> point being that um, – Azealia Banks, because she's famous and a whatever, couldn't leave well enough alone. I'm Jewish, bitches. So <laughs> she had to explain to these people that I am Jewish. Somehow or another, the fan told Banks that she didn't automatically become Jewish just because her fiancé was Jewish. And her response to this was to, to compare trans people to Jewish people. So in other words, because trans people who are, and I'm quoting here, hot gay boys with plastic surgery who are saying they are women now, she can say, I'm just Jewish now. Sure. So (laughs) she has managed to piss off, let's see, how many people here? Jews, uh, the trans. People, people who hate Jews, because yeah. now she is Jewish uh, in her world, um, transgender people who yeah. are, you know, in her words, again, not my words, hot gay boys with plastic surgery. Uh, let's see. Well, I try. This is what she said. This is a quote. Well, I tried to tell the trans girls that getting castrated doesn't automatically make them female. But if society can do mental gymnastics to lie and tell them that an eggless person who still produces semen is a woman and let them rock, y'all are going to bend the rules to accept this newly black Jewish coochie. I'm Jewish now. You can't stop me. (laughs) She does have a point. And I went, (laughs) what the frock? I don't think, yeah, my WTF for this week isn't as complicated, but... (laughs) It comes out of the the great uh, state of Florida. Imagine that. You said that wrong. Uh, what? It's flora. Flora. Duh. Okay. Yeah. So a man is in critical condition, and uh, the person to admitted the pulling the trigger is in custody. And it just so happens that around eight forty five in the morning, a man was walking around this apartment complex with a Bible. Now. You're asking, why would someone shoot a guy walking around a, a complex knocking on doors with a Bible? <laughs> Apparently, he forgot his clothes. So he was walking around naked, and uh, he knocked on this one woman's door. And um, and why the hell are you naked? It's yeah. after Labor Day. I never get to use that one yeah. twice in one day. No? No. Well, basically, he was knocking. This is, this is the yeah, quote here. He was knocking on the doors, and he and when you open it, it's all like, "You want some of this?" Pointing to his private area. So, 
Yeah, it's that's uh, you know basically. Is he Jewish? <laughs> Did anybody notice? I, they didn't. They didn't claim, but he could identify as a Jew now. I guess right. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so that's that's my story of the week. It's it's not that involved. It's just uh, I I found it hilariously funny that some guy was walking around knocking on doors naked with a Bible, saying, "You want some of this?" I found myself at a Christmas party a few years ago before yeah. I was married, and. A rather attractive young lady talking to me. She couldn't. She just couldn't believe. It. You're really Jewish? Yeah, I really am. She's really. And then this went on for like five, ten minutes. Really Jewish? I said, yeah, I really am. And she said, "I don't believe you." I said, "Well, I could prove it, but I don't want to get thrown out of here." <laughs> Azealia Banks finished this whole thing off, and I think I don't I'm, see part of knowing. Part of good entertainment is knowing where to quit. And I'm, and I'm, I'm probably past that point already. <laughs> but unless you can physically stop me, I'm going to read you her last tweet about this. Okay, go or ahead. One of her last tweets. about she, uh, she said, stop trying to exclude black people from everything. Because apparently she thinks that these people were saying black people can't be Jewish. Okay. Okay. So she ends with this. Four new at four new eyes, which is, I guess, a responder. Because why can you chop your cock and say you're a girl, but I can't catch the Jewish nut and be Jewish? Stop trying to exclude black people from everything. The Jewish nut? <laughs> yep, I should have quit before that, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm Rabbi Dave. <laughs> I'm Friar Cook. And this has been... What the frock? <laughs> <laughs>